I want to look at today the very first commandment that God gave to man in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For on the day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now implicit in this commandment is that man was supposed to live by the tree of life and not by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When God created man in his image and in likeness, it meant that he had the capacity to live a perfectly moral life, God-pleasing life, and thereby retain the image of God. It was a life of dependence on God, symbolized by the tree of life. What a privilege it was to walk in the cool of the evening with God and have fellowship daily. And then, of course, the devil came in and we know what happened into the tranquil life of Adam and Eve and uh, plunged the whole creation into darkness. And that has affected all of us even to this day. What was the temptation that David gave to Adam at that point of time? There are many aspects to that temptation, but that one I want to pick up today is that he was proposing the man that man was perfectly capable of living a moral life independent of God. That man could still fulfill his purpose, his destiny, independent of God. And that is how we see the world live today. The two trees essentially represented two ways of living. One, a life of constant dependence on God by the Holy Spirit. The other one is to be independent of God and to live by the knowledge of good and evil, having within oneself. Now, on the face of it, it looks to be perfectly all right to have the knowledge of good and evil within oneself. Because that makes rational sense to human mind, but anything that makes sense to human mind is not necessarily right in the sight of God. And that knowledge of good and evil is not the absolute standard of God, but ever-changing standards of man. The more advanced that we have become, we can see how depraved we are today in the world. But the society largely lives today by the principle of knowledge of good and evil. And we know the consequences around us. By partaking in the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the image of God in man got corrupted with the image of the devil. And the corruption that came become very apparent when you look at the next generation, Genesis chapter 5, verse 3, where we read, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. Adam was created in the image of God and likeness of God, whereas Seth was born in the image of Adam. It was already corrupted. He had already lost the perfect image of God. And from then onwards, all of us inherit that corrupted image in us. And you know, when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, verse 44, he said this. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desire of your father. From Seth, all of us carry that broken image or a corrupt image in us, which is corrupted by the devil. But thank God, praise God, that we have now have the cross of Christ before us. By his atoning work on the cross, we have the privilege to acquire back the image that was lost. Now, all of us who are in this prayer meeting have, by the grace of God, entered into that fellowship with God. But we must remember that this restoration is not totally complete. We are born again in our spirits. We are called by God to renew our mind by constantly looking at his word, Romans 12, 2. And we are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. It is something in the future. Now, bodies still carry the curse of the fall, 
from Genesis chapter 3 that we will die one day physically. But once our bodies are redeemed, and then we would receive our full inheritance, everything that was lost in the Garden of Eden will be restored back to us. Meanwhile, we live with the tension between our flesh, which belongs to the Adamic nature, corrupted, and the spirit of God whom God has placed in our hearts now, being born again by his spirit. So while we live as life of struggle on this earth, dithering between the memories of Egypt and hope of life of promised land, we also have a new commandment in the new covenant, which is exactly like what God gave at the beginning. In Romans chapter 8, verse 13, we have this commandment. Romans 8.13, for if you are living in accord with the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In Genesis, we were told, if you live by the tree of life, you will live. And if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And that commandment was given to us because we were in the bosom of Adam committing the same sin. And today, as a new covenant believer, we are told, if you walk in step with the spirit, you will live. And if you go by this flesh, you will die. And as a believer, we face this challenge of this commandment every day. This is the same commandment given to Adam that time, but in a different form given to us now. What is the essence of this commandment again? It's the same thing. Either you depend on God or be independent of God. The same temptation we have even today. So how can we practically live this life of dependence today? We look to Jesus because he's our role model. He is, the perfecter, he is the perfecter of our faith, author and perfecter of our faith. He is our forerunner. We are called to fix our eyes upon him and run the race that is set before us with patience. Now, how did Jesus live a life of dependence when he was as a man on the earth? I want to talk, think about two things. One, he was constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. And second, he had a lifestyle of praying. And the scripture clearly tells us we, have, we are to pray always without ceasing. And we ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit at all times. When you think about prayer, what, what does prayer really mean? Is it not a confession that we are dependent on God? That whether it is an individual prayer or a corporate prayer, we are confessing through prayer that we can do nothing without him. That we are dependent on him. The absence of prayer, therefore, simply means independence from God. The prevailing world we wants us to be independent. It wants us to be self-reliant, that you can do it on your own. And that comes into the church. So just as Adam was faced with that temptation that you could fulfill your destiny by being independent of God, which means you can be your own God. We face the same temptation today when there's a lack of prayer. So when we can, then we can clearly see the spirit behind those pious programs we can have in the church, which are replace the prayer meetings. Plans and programs by themselves may be good, but if they come in the way of prayer meetings, then we need to wonder what is the source behind it. In closing, I just want to say this. Every believer wants to pray because it should be the natural instinct of any child to talk to his father. But then, as a born-again child of God, we, even though we have the Spirit of God within us, we still dwell in the body of sin and death, which carries the corrupt Adamic nature. And that's why Jesus said, the flesh is weak, even though spirit is willing. So that means it takes effort. We need to beat the flesh around and bring it in submission and obedience 
in order for us to be able to pray. That is why it is hard work. It takes effort. And it is the same whether we are in a personal prayer or in a corporate prayer. So my prayer today is that the Lord will help us. That the more we gather and pray, we are expressing our helplessness that we need him. That we are confessing that we do not want to be living in the temptation that Adam had to become independent, but we are dependent on him. May the Lord help us today as we proceed ahead into the prayer time now. Thank you.